To a child, an imaginary friend can be fun, sweet, an endearing companion. But when that child grows up... What happened to you? What's fun and sweet is different. Hey, it takes more than a fire truck to stop Drop Dead Fred. Phoebe Cates in Drop Dead Fred, premiering July 3rd, part of Showtime's Comedy Summer. What you're really missing that clip is the real good sound effects. I don't know if that's coming through in this old 1992 clip. I thought you were going to say the cartoony effects that are on screen. Also that. If you did not hear what that movie was, it was Drop Dead Fred, and we are going to talk about it on today's show here on Old Millennials Remember Movies, and I am your host, Angela Yoshiko, here with my co-host and son-of-a-bitch husband, Tyler Wilson. Hi there. Why am I a son of a bitch all of a sudden? Because you're just giving me a bunch of shit right now. (laughs) There's no proof of that. There is no proof of that, except for the previous 35 episodes we've had. I feel like you give me way more shit. You deserve more shit, though. Why, because I'm a man? So, Tyler, (laughs) what have you been watching recently before we jump into Drop Dead Fred? Well, you and I went to the movie theater to see what I would say was probably one of our more anticipated movies of the year, Jordan Peele's Us. I can't even talk about this movie because I don't want to ruin anything for anybody, but it was so good. It's really good. It was so good. Yeah. What I liked about it Mm -hmm. um, was that so many people that I work with and stuff and online and the internet was like, this movie's so scary. Mm -hmm. So I was really, really nervous to see the movie. And I did um, clutch your arm throughout the movie, but I didn't feel like it was as scary as I was anticipating it to be. It, I felt like it hit more into like the thriller category, which for me is much more enjoyable. I was still like nervous. Yeah, it's an intense movie, and uh-huh. it the tension is once the movie kind of gets into it, what really is going on, it doesn't really let go, and it's just kind of a constant state of dread with some re- smart releases here and there. But it's not like a jump scare movie. Which I appreciate. I don't. I think that's kind of cheap anyway. I, I was on the edge of my seat and my heart was pounding from just like the circumstance, not from like being visually cheated by something, you know, yeah. what I mean? like jumping at me or whatever. Or like gory, scary, gross stuff. Exactly. Or like uh, demons and spirits and ghosty stuff. And this was, this was good. Uh, you know, famously, not famously, but we saw Jordan Peele's first movie initially separately. Mm-hmm. I saw it. And then I believe it was one of like only three movies you've ever seen by yourself. Us or Get Get Out yeah. was the first movie I ever went to the movie theater by myself to see. Right. Because my dumb friends were like, we're going to go get pedicures. You want to come with us? And I was like, fuck no, I'm going to go see this movie. And I guess if you bitches don't want to come, I'll go by myself. And then I did. And I was like, fuck, I do not want to be at this movie by myself. Which is funny. I mean, I go to movies by myself all the time. but I'm Yeah, just, you've, you seen, you've seen hundreds. Probably. That was my first. Yeah, I like going with my Um, And it was really good. Yeah. It was one of my favorite movies of the year. Was it my favorite movie of the year? It was my... I don't... Did you do a list that year? I don't remember. I don't know. We might not have been recording. I think it was I one of my favorites. I did it for print, and it was my favorite movie of that year. Mm-hmm. Here's a hot take for you. I think that, at least upon first viewing, Us is a better movie. Is it a hot take, or are people in agreement? I think people mostly think that Get Out is better, at least critic-wise, and then some... Uh, I want to get to that in a minute, but 
uh, I, I think it's far more ambitious movie. Get Out, I it, it won, a, won an Oscar. Won, Jordan Peele won an Oscar for original screenplay. It is a perfect screenplay. Get Out. Okay, there's yes. no there's no debating that. What Us is, and why I appreciate it so much, is that it's very different. It is a much more open ended experience. Uh, it is has a lot of kind of weighty issues like Get Out did, but they're not as I would say linear. Like I think you you draw certain conclusions from Get Out that are that are pretty clear. I don't think there's a lot of things to potentially interpret differently and in get out. I think you, you, the story leads itself to, to what he wants you to be thinking about in terms mm-hmm. of like relate race and, and all that. Us is really cool in that I think there's a general major issue or a major kind of theme going on, but the way that you can interpret that theme can, can vary based upon your own personal beliefs, your own personal biases and kind of what, you respond to in terms of, um, you know, the generally it's inequality, right? This is a movie about, you know, we don't have to talk too much about the details of it. Obviously, anybody can go find out what it's about at this point. But it's a movie about doppelgangers. There's a, a family play led by Lupita Nyong'o and Winston Duke and their two kids. And a family that looks just like them shows up on their porch. Only they're like the creepy version and they are super scary. And Lupita Nyong'o is the only one that can talk. And she has a weird, creepy voice and it's, you know, freaky. But what the movie's getting at is not just about (laughs) these doppelgangers terrorizing this family. And so what I really liked about it was that that spell worked on me. I really liked where, Jordan Peele is leading us, and I think Lupita Nyong'o, my god, she's so good in this. She, Everybody has a dual role, but she is the one, because her doppelganger is kind of the, the only one that can talk, and so there's a lot of scenes between the two versions of her and it. Yeah, she won an Oscar for 12 Years a Slave, but she's not exactly been... She's been in things. She's in Black Panther, but She's not getting, like, the the kind of roles that you would expect someone who was an Oscar winner to get. Gee, I wonder why that is. I don't know, but... Could it be that she's a woman? Could it be that she's a black woman? And maybe. black women don't get roles? She's incredible in this. She's an incredible actor in general. I, I, th- this, this is an amazing performance. And everybody everybody's good in the movie, by the mm-hmm. way, but it's just, like, she's she's incredible. It's just... It's two very distinct performances and two performances that you kind of can understand the perspective of both. One is very clearly a villain, and you still feel for that character. You still question Mark, like, well, yeah, I get what she's doing, so does that make her immediately a bad person? Right, right. So, I, I just, I really like that, and, I, and then, you know, not to say anything other than the right when it's over, you immediately want to go back, because what you get at the end kind of recontextualizes everything to a bigger point. Now, we both really liked it. My tangent is a little bit on some of this criticism of the movie and a lot of this. And, and it's not what criticism. There's a lot of people that like it. That's fine. But there are. I'm not going to name. I'm not going to name names. But you know what? We have a podcast that, you know, we have as our as our outlet. Right. And it's not something I can really talk about in print because I wrote a review. But like it's it's too inside baseball, uh, so to speak. But there are prominent uh, film critics podcasts that talk about movies in really frustrating ways these days. Um, and I kind of, you know, it's kind of related to that Cinema Sins video, um, that phenomenon of just like, let's count all the things that are quote unquote wrong with these movies. 
And I've read and listened to and seen some criticism of us that just blows my mind in that it's just like, this needs to be explained more. I need more explanation of who these doppelgangers are. I don't believe that we got this. This doesn't make logical sense. Oh, shut up. <sighs> just shut those people up. Why don't you suck all the fun out of a movie? Do you want a step-by-step? Step one, here's everything. Do you want a six-hour movie? And look, I get it. Like, there are certain movies that the plot mechanics are there to kind of drive the movie. Uh, Glass, this year, is a great example of that. There are frustrating plot mechanics in that movie that take front and center, that supersede the emotional arc of the characters. They take over and, like, kind of take over the movie a little bit. And that's more problematic. Us, there's a lot of things going on about this world, right? But the movie doesn't lose focus on the core characters, the core family. And the other world building is kind of used to kind of approach the broader themes that he's interested in in, a, in, a, in doing. But the narrative itself needs to stay on the track it is, I think. I think the amount of information that he divulges is, a nut, is kind of the exact amount to kind of give you this tease of this world without having to explain it all or logically go through how it is possible. Cause I don't like, to me that doesn't, that doesn't really work with what the movie's even getting at. Mm-hmm. Another good example of this was last year. There were just some people that really couldn't get around certain issues in the quiet place, which is just like this very similar kind of movie really in terms of like a family surviving an otherworldly type thing. And there's people that are like, well, how does this work? If they would do this, why didn't they just do this? Or why didn't they just do this? And that's not this, at all. This couch criticism oh, or, of like, oh, you know best, like you're the coach of the game. Like, shut well, up. And it's it's just, it's it's not, it doesn't go toward like the arc of a movie. It's not about like, it's not criti- it's, it's not being critical of the story of the movie. It's being critical of mm-hmm. the surrounding pieces. You're raising your hand. Mm-hmm. Okay, go I ahead. I have a question. Yeah. Do you think that... Um, binge watching entire seasons of television shows is ruining people's capacity for consuming a edited short tight story in two hours we're now so used to consuming 20 hours of a story that we want all this detail and all this background well this is kind of what i i think so and i think this is what a lot of i remember just the frustration of watching and enjoying lost when it was on tv and understanding that the explanations of all the things going on on that island weren't really what the show was about. It was more about the journey and the arc of go- the emotional journey you're going on with the characters. And that stuff's kind of just the fun thing you speculate on that's feeding into kind of the thematic journey or the character journey, right? And to me, as a, as a moviegoer and as someone who likes to, likes to watch these things, I'm more, I more connect with those kind of arcs. And I find myself enjoying movies that, use its broader plot and broader structure to kind of tell stories about people and characters. And Us does that brilliantly. And I, I just want to, the last thing I'll touch on this is that Jordan Peele, in an interview, has because he's been asked, like, would you return to the world of Us for a, a, a sequel? Which I think, it, no. we, why would we need that? We I, I would absolutely that. not want It'd that. Ruin, it would Because we're getting it. a quiet place too, by the way, which I really don't think we need. Why? Like, we don't need it. I, I just, I'd rather, and, and fine, they can maybe do a story in that world I don't need to see that family again, right? I think no. that that story was contained. Yeah. He said, yeah, but I think it was more placating than anything. But this is what he said when people were asking about kind of the mythology of the movie. He said, I have the entire mythology of this world because the audience can tell if you don't. The choice becomes how much of that mythology do you reveal? 
The line that I'm exploring in this movie is a very difficult line. Some people might want less explanation. Some people might want more explanation. I'm trying to serve whatever your appetite is, but ultimately, I'm trying to give you enough context to be able to discuss and hypothesize about more. When it's all wrapped up neatly and perfectly, it alleviates the fear. I don't want to do it. And I think that's a perfect... It also sucks the fun out of a movie. Right, and that's... that's that's a, The story is from Slash, Slash Film. I don't know where he said it originally, but credit where credit's due. Yeah, I think if you over-explain stuff, it just sucks the imagination out of the, out of it. Well, right. I mean, and exactly. He gives you enough that you can imagine the rest. And the main criticism, there's a there's a information dump toward the end of the movie in like a kind of a villain monologue a little bit, and that's all I'll say about it. And even that, I've heard that criticism, that's like the only part where I'm like, okay, I hear your criticism, but at the same time, I'm like, I know that there are audiences out there that are would be lost without something at this point to kind of get them to the end. Mm-hmm. And so I don't mind it, and, I think, and it's also anchored by Lupita Nyong'o giving a great performance, so, hey, you know, I kind of like it when the Bond villains monologue sometimes, and you know mm-hmm. what? Sometimes it's fun and it works. In this movie, it's not enough to really, because I think then, because the movie really gives you something amazing to chew on and it's kind of climax i love it i love the visual work jordan peele has really upped the game on being a director in this movie like he has a bigger budget it just is a a gorgeous looking i I just i think it might be better i'll reserve seeing it a second time to really definitively say if i think it's better than get out but i love that movie i love this movie i can't wait for more jordan peele um i wanted to keep us on schedule but i just want to ask you one more thing yeah you didn't struggle with what other people have criticized this movie as having like plot holes mm-hmm. or gaps in the explanation in of logic. plot. Yeah. Um, but I'm recalling a movie that I had no problem with a gap in a leap in logic or plot and you just got super hung up on it and you're What's like, movie? this movie's bad because it didn't explain and it had this jump and that's stupid. What's the movie? I think you could probably guess. No, I want to know what the movie is because I think you might be oh, exaggerating my dislike of it. Interstellar. Okay, it's a movie that I think is actually pretty good. Uh-huh. I was just saying that, like, some of the choices in its plot mechanics underserved the story of the characters, and I never bought, and my main issue with that movie is not so much all the space and the crazy stuff that goes on in space, it's the getting to the, getting me to be believe, convinced that this character is leaving Earth and leaving this family behind. And I don't think the movie did a good job of establishing that. I think that's a different kind of problem for that movie. But in general, again, it, that's splitting hairs because I don't think Interstellar is a bad movie. I just didn't love it like you. That's all. I remember you and I, maybe on some other podcast b- before this one, right. got into a pretty heated discussion about, um, or maybe it was just when we were driving in the car and we were talking about it. But Possibly. About who's the director of Interstellar? Christopher Nolan. And about how much I love how he doesn't waste time on the little detailed stuff and he'll just like jump it's still a two and a half hour movie but okay <laughs> i swear you we're just we just have the same conversations over and over it's it's a good movie it's just i i have i my issues with that are more to do with it kind of underserving its characters and i think that that's a different problem that hangs me look this is still just my if you think that us has problems with the script and explains too much hey Guess what? You can have that opinion. Totally hey, fine. Random question. Yeah. Did you find any more um, evidence towards my theory? Yes, and we will talk off mic about it. There has been a little bit of discussion. I want to say, by the way, uh-huh. I saw the original article uh-huh. of someone speculating this, or the original like Reddit discussion. Yeah. I think you saw it before that thread started. So I'm going to go yeah. ahead and give you. Mm-hmm. 
I, I'm mm-hmm. not convinced that it, there's enough evidence there for it, but there are people talking about it, and it's uh-huh. gaining steam. And I'm just saying, do you if give it me gets, credit? Are you giving me? Props? I'm giving you some credit because I have I have seen some debate on this mm-hmm. topic. It's too. There's no way we can get into it without getting into like way too much of the movie. But but that's what I love about this movie. Right. It gets. I mean, everyone, no, you're not wrong. There's evidence. Your everyone, evidence that you cite is is there. Is the evidence? Yeah. Um. Everyone that I've talked to that's seen this mentioned that like as soon as the movie was over. They almost, like, couldn't sleep that night because they were just, like, thinking about the movie and thinking about the possibilities and thinking about, like, just everything that happened. And I haven't had a movie like that in a while Yeah, I just, where I left just, like, thinking about it. I guess it. that's kind of where my, my other issue is, like, listening to people who, you know, they'll do a – we're doing a long time. I have several minutes on it, too, but – They'll, you know, they spend 10 minutes being like, hey, I really like this movie, but let's get into a 35 minutes about, like, what bothered me about it. And I'm just like, this, why are we <laughs> celebrating, like, like, here's a great movie, right? Yeah. And now we're, and we should be celebrating it, all the great things about it. And here we're just, like, breaking down whether or not you felt like we explained the scissors enough. Yeah. Or the jumpsuits or whatever. Like, are we kidding? Like, this is not, why would you put more thought to it than... Than the people making the movie did, <laughs> I guess is my question. I, mean, I think they made they gave the appropriate amount of attention to it, and you probably gave it a little bit too much more. It's that brain, it's that I, negative bias. I know, but like, here's a, something that's truly original. It's not a sequel. It's not attached to a f- giant franchise, and I feel like we're not able to enjoy it anymore as a culture. It's weird. I agree, and I am getting so tired of people saying like. What, why can't someone just come up with a new idea? And then those same people are like, well, that idea was stupid. I, there's plenty of great original things yes, that come out. Yes, there's so much original content coming out. You know, at the okay. same time, Avengers is the one that will make all the money and they won't see this. Well, they'll, they'll see this. This is a huge hit. But Speaking of big franchises, yeah. we're going to shift from talking about us yeah. to Into the Spider-Verse. Spider-Man mm-hmm. Into the Spider-Verse. I was so excited to get you to see this because you didn't see it in the theater. I did. It was in my top ten of it was. the year. You talked about it back in December. Yep. In our Jingle All the Way episode 27. Mm-hmm. It was in your favorites of the year. Yep. Back in episode, mm-hmm. Whatever and it's on that video was. now, so you got to watch it. What'd you think? Yeah. I thought it was really good. Yeah. I loved Nick from New Girl mm-hmm. as one of the Spider-Mans. The key Peter Parker. Yeah, yeah. he's just like, shh, he's handsome. I mean, for an animated... Animated handsome? Sure. Yeah. Okay, you I'll know, give you that. You know, he's got, like, that handsome look, but also what I love about um, actors when they get just, like, a little little rugged, a little facial he's hair. Schlubby. And then he has a little belly. Paunch, yeah. And they kind of, like, make fun of that a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I love that. Um, and then I love just seeing, like, a black person be Spider-Man. Miles and a Morales. girl be Spider-Man. And a ham... A ham. <laughs> a spider ham. A spider ham. Yeah. A pig be spider Nicholas Cage, black and white noir. Oh my god, uh, so good. Um, I disagree with some people that say that they would love to have a whole show of Nick Cage's that Spider-Man, because, no. Small I don't, doses, yes, I think is fine. It's great in small little doses. I, I think there's plans for obviously another movie of this, and then maybe a TV series of the Spider-Verse, but I think the idea there is that we'll jump around and that's smart, because I don't yes. think you need to linger with that character more than you do so what i will say is someone who doesn't love the spider-man character like i i have no hate nor love for the spider-man character i really enjoyed this movie yeah i love it i love watching it again and just um everything about it is just so visually stunning and i the story is really satisfying way more satisfying than it ever had any right i mean you see the premise of this and you think it's fun but it has a really resonant powerful story Mm -hmm. 
um, centered on a good lead character of, of Spider-Man. I just, mm-hmm. I, I really, it's it won the Oscar. It's one of the few things the Oscars yeah. got right this year. <laughs> I mean, it deserved it. It's a great movie. Totally worth renting. I don't know if, I think it's rated PG-13. I probably wouldn't. It's PG. There's a little bit of, um, I know, we have a son who really likes Spider-Man and an mm-hmm. older daughter who I think really would take to uh, the kind of the the vibe in general. I think it might be a little bit confusing for both of them, but uh, yeah, there's some stuff in the big, kind of toward the beginning. I wonder if we could kind of like zoom over because <laughs> some of it's a little intense. I I know that I mean it's no more intense than I guess Uncle Ben getting killed in every Spider-Man version. But or how about really Frozen, that, so. where the parents just get in a and die? Yeah, I, I guess think parental figures getting murdered is probably a little more traumatic. I know than... it's just it for whatever reason. I, maybe it's just because I, I think it's really effective. It's it it packs a wall up. <laughs> a little bit scary because it's a man who kills him, not a monster. And it's uh, we're dancing around it, but there it's a reason. I think it's it's just a, it's confusing because it's like the what who dies is confusing for what happens after. So you know, anyway, you should see the movie. But it is I, PG. I to, You're right about I that. want him to see it because it's so fun. And I can't. I still. I don't know if I talked about it when I probably did. But the reveal of Doc Ock in this movie. Oh, so good! Is amazing. I love it. Anyway. <laughs> okay, so that's what I've been watching. Uh-huh. Oh, something I did just start that I'm only like 20 minutes in because I just watched on my lunch hour is the there's a second part slash season of the OA. Oh, I was going to tell you that started Netflix. again. Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited. You like that show? Even when I was watching the recap of season one, I got a little teary eyed because the ending is so intense. Yeah. It's such a good show. So if you haven't seen the OA and you're into like, I don't know, weird stuff on Netflix. Yeah. I saw that I was back. I was going to tell you, but you clearly yeah. were. Guess you clearly what found out. Guess what I'll be doing all day tomorrow. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> I didn't watch the first season. I hear it's good. You <laughs> should watch the first season. Know, but, it's very know, good. There's TV, so much. TV. So much. I'm still hooked on my Turner Classic Movies app, man. What am I supposed to do? Speaking of, <laughs> have you watched any like old movies recently? I have just a couple that I'll mention. I've seen a few. I The ones I really liked... Um, where oh, my notes are gone. Notorious, which is Alfred Hitchcock. That was actually on that other app I watched it on. But um, oh. it's oh man. First of all, I mean, what are you gonna say? <laughs> it's Alfred Hitchcock. He made so many good movies. This is one that I, I, I think as I was watching it, I realized I'd probably seen at some point, but it was not. It was so great to kind of click through it. It's Cary Grant, Ingrid Bergman, Claude Rain, uh, Rains. It's like a an espionage. Uh, type thriller where this woman is embedded to get like start a relationship with like a Nazi sympathizer or a Nazi, I guess. Cause it's like 1946 and, uh, uh, it's just so good. Everything about it is just, it, it's timeless. I mean, it, you could tell the same story now and it feels really modern. I mean, not because of Nazis, it's just the way it's told and the mm-hmm. storytelling and mm-hmm. it's super, super good anyway. And then the sweet smell of success, which is the movie that I, another one that I started as like, as it was going, I was like, yeah, I've seen this. This is, I've, I've watched this. It's Tony Curtis and Burt Lancaster. And it's like scrummy, uh, gossip rag newspapering in like the fifties. Um, Burt Lancaster's like, just like this vicious gossip rag, uh, writer and he's just he's a piece of shit and it's great he's just such a piece of shit he's just horrible oh something's never changed even from 1957 uh, yeah. he, oh he's such a piece of shit and then tony curtis is just like this agent who's just always trying to get like his bits and his clients into the column but then lancaster's got a dot or a sister who doesn't want marrying this other guy so he's just like hey dipshit go if you want to ever get work again break them up and oh it's just oh, like wow. everything about it is just like again it just feels like you could tell the same story now and it'd be just as relevant and 
yeah, it's it's good. I mean, the acting in it's amazing. So, and then uh, last thing I'll talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, opening day was uh, yesterday as of the opening recording. day for baseball. Go Twins! Twins won two to nothing in their first game. Congratulations to the great Minnesota Twins! First place, 161 more games to go. And. <laughs> <laughs> But I felt the need the night before because I was like, oh, baseball season's starting. I got my I'm – ra- see, I'm not going to watch very many movies anymore because now I just got my uh, baseball app going again. Ah, jeez. Um, so the night before, I had to get ready. And I have a lot of baseball movies, but I'll tell you what I recently picked up for like two bucks was Major League 2. <laughs> I thought you were going to wait to watch that for the podcast. No, because we would do Major League 1. And we, I have that. We should do Major League One at some point. No, I watched Major League Two because, okay, what's funny about Major League Two is that it's bad. Like, it's not a good movie. What? <laughs> like, it is, it's very much just like a, it's a rehash, a total rehash of the first Major League. Only the first one was rated R. And for this one, they're like, well, we should just make it PG 13 to like, uh, I don't know, get people like me in when it came out to watch it. Cause that's just, this is the reason why I have a soft spot for it. Charlie Sheen. Tom Berenger, Corbin Burnson. I it was one of those that was like number one. I'm pretty sure my parents liked Major League One enough that they're like PG thirteen. Let's take old Tyler to the theater and watch this one. Not like not even I'd never seen Major League One at this point, so saw it in the theater with them. Um, according to IMDb, it's just PG. You're kidding. I'm not kidding. <laughs> There's okay. I mean, I'm it's, you. I'm it's a lot it. softer than uh, first one. That's for sure. I, that I would. Be a little surprised by that. I look, go grab that DVD real quick. Um, okay, I'm walking over to go grab the DVD case. But it's also just a movie that was on TV constantly, like over and over and over again. And so if it was on, and I was home, I don't know, it should be on the disc somewhere or yeah, on the box. If it was on, it says, "Oh man, where is it?" I would watch it. It wouldn't matter. So I've seen this movie so many times. I can, I know every bit of it. But it's, like, not good. If you've ever seen... It's just so weird to, like, have seen that one first and then go back and watch the the actual, like, better one. It's it's strange. There is no rating on this. Oh, it says PG. That blows my mind. This was rated PG. Why? What makes you think it wouldn't be? What well, was in it? There's just... I mean, there's not... I guess you're right. There's not a lot of swearing and stuff like that. It's just, like... The first one was rated R. The first one was rated R? Yeah. Because they were, they were like... Foul mouth baseball players. So they went from rated R to PG. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty. That's pretty. And then of sad. course, if you remember, and I'm sure you do, in the barely released Major League Three, back to the minors, they it was changed to a minor league affiliate. It was a game about the minor leagues, and it was a minor league affiliate of the Minnesota Twins. And so of course I saw that movie as well. But most of the cast didn't return for that uh, one. Corbin Birdson was there, maybe Dennis Haysbert, but. Yeah, no. Major League 2, we would never do that on the podcast because it is not, it's barely a movie. It's just rehashing the first one almost completely. But Only going from rated R to PG. Only, yeah, just like neutering it completely. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. Anyway, I enjoyed it and it got me primed for baseball season. Wow. <laughs> also, yeah, no, uh, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> what? What were you going to say? No. No. What? That's going a little bit too far. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm done. Okay. Let's transition into our featured film, Drop Dead Fred. Okay. Going to play a little clip here. And the prince took the beautiful young girl in his arms and said, Will you marry me? Yes, she whispered. I will be your princess. The day the 
happily ever after. Of course, Elizabeth. How do you know? Because she was a good little girl. If she had been naughty, the prince would have run away. What a pile of shit. <laughs> Oh my god, I love yourself. this movie so much. It's insane. Oh, there's so much to talk about, and you were just like, I'm going to talk about us for the whole time because I don't want to say well, anything about Drop Dead before Fred. Before we get into Drop Dead Fred, we have a sponsor this episode. Yeah, we Believe do. it or not. Oh, we do? Yeah, we do. And weird coincidence, the sponsor for this episode of our uh-huh. podcast also had an advertisement on the front of this VHS copy of Drop Dead Fred. It was on our VHS copy of Drop Dead Fred was a commercial for the DVD of Chuck Norris's Top Dog. Oh God, and they're God. sponsoring our podcast today. How, what do you know about that? Who is? The movie Top Dog with Chuck Norris. <laughs> the movie is sponsoring our Yeah, podcast. the movie on DVD. Did you know that movies on DVD can sponsor? Yeah. What I loved it, it wasn't just that. It was that and two other really bad looking movies. <laughs> They were advertising on the VHS for the DVD copies of these other movies. And keeping in mind that this was a a VHS of Drop Dead Fred that is marked 1999, so it wasn't even like a a VHS of whenever the movie had originally come out on VHS. So it was like an updated VHS. It was an updated VHS uh, brought to you by my friend Lisa. Thanks, Lisa. Uh, As soon as we started the podcast, I was like, oh, I want to watch Drop Dead Fred. We don't have it. So she lent us the VHS. You have been avoiding it for almost a year now. Well, not the problem is I had to go downstairs, number one. Uh Uh-huh. Pull out of a drawer our VHS player or VCR. Uh, it's called a VCR. Our VHS player. <laughs> well, you know, I understand what I'm saying. Uh-huh. I had to get those little red, white, uh, and yellow RCA cords uh-huh. that none of our current uh, setup uses. Mm-hmm. But that was another drawer. Mm-hmm. Same, you know, same cabinet. Mm-hmm. Different drawer, though. Mm-hmm. Bring it upstairs. Yeah. Plug it in. Put the tape in. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of work. A lot more work than usual. So it wasn't really so much uh, stalling on doing it. It was just more of a, you know. So that clip we listened to right. um, is the first scene of the movie. Mm-hmm. So it just starts out the movie with this sweet little girl who looks just like our um, three, almost four-year-old girl, Sawyer. Oh, my God, she's so cute. And you think, oh, this is a sweet little thing. And then that little potty mouth, what a pile of shit. <laughs> I think it just comes in hot, just telling you exactly what to expect in this movie. And to the movie's credit, they do go back and use that uh, little girl actress more in more mm-hmm. flashbacks. I think that's smart because mm-hmm. she is a she's a good part of this movie. I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, well, before we go any further, maybe you've got some high stats for me. Oh yeah. Oh, I was just going to ignore those. I was just going to drop right in. Fred, why would you ignore the drop dead Fred high stats? I just want to talk about all the wonderful, wonderful parts of this movie. Okay. Okay, so Drop Dead Fred came out in May of 1991. What else was happening in May of 1991, Tyler? Let me tell you. I'm going to give you this platform and then you have to be nice the whole rest of the podcast. Okay, I'll try. Thank you, though. Well, it was early in the season, but the Minnesota Twins were about ready to make an incredible run to the World Series where they would win in seven games, large on the heels of the great Jack Morris and Kirby Puckett, game six. I mean, come on. What else do you need? Besides a world championship in Minneapolis. 
1991. If you're wondering if every episode where we feature a movie from 1991, if Tyler's going to mention this, he is. Or, or if it's opening day, I already going to mention it anyway. Or if we do a baseball <laughs> movie, I'll mention it anyway. Uh, yeah, no, I'm going to mention it all the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Also, fun fact, wasn't this movie uh, filmed in Minneapolis? <laughs> I think you, you did see that, yeah. Yeah, of course. Um, so, Drop Dead Fred came out in May 1991. It's rated PG-13. <laughs> rated higher than Major League Two. <laughs> yep. Which seems appropriate. There's more swearing in this movie. Yeah. It's an hour and 43 minutes. <laughs> oh, every minute yeah, is. is pure gold. Uh, okay. Pure <laughs> gold. Um, it's directed by a guy named Eight De Jong. He's like a... He was... Uh, was he Dutch? I can't remember where he's from. Something like that. Uh, he... he, Yeah, he was uh, brought in to do this. Yep. <laughs> what other high stats would you like to... What was the box office? The box office. Let me scroll here. Um, The budget. Ooh, so expensive. It's $6.7 million. Did it make its money back? Oh, it grossed in the U.S. $43 million. You're kidding. No, I'm not kidding. That's a pretty good number. That's a great number. For that budget. Wow. For getting trashed by critics it at the time. It was just destroyed by, mm-hmm. by the, the critics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wonder why that is. Probably because those <laughs> critics are dumb. All movie critics are dumb, Tyler. All right. Let's, uh, I want to get into what this movie is. My main, my great question about this movie, because it is about a, a, a little girl with an imaginary friend. Who the parents don't like. She's got a mom who's a bitch, right? That's fair to say. She's not a bitch, Tyler. Uh-huh. She's a mega bitch. I feel like I set you up for that one. Uh, <laughs> also known as Mega Beast. Anyway, helped her through her childhood. Now she's grown up. She's played by Phoebe Cates from uh, Fast Times, Ridge High, Gremlins. And she's struggling in her marriage. Her marriage is falling apart. Her job's falling apart. I can't remember that. Maybe. Oh, she loses yeah, her job. She lost her job. And her mom's still terrible. Mm-hmm. And so then here comes Drop Dead Fred back into her life to question mark help? <laughs> I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think the idea is that he's going to help. It certainly doesn't seem that way to her. Uh, what is her character's name in the movie? Lizzie. Lizzie. Okay. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like that way, that way to her at first. This is another movie with the great Carrie Fisher. We've been on a streak lately of uh, oh, yeah. doing these supporting char- supporting uh, role Carrie Fisher movies. We did The Burbs and we did When Harry Met Sally. Here she is again uh, as her friend. Yeah. The friend. The friend. The work friend. And then, oddly enough, all of her dialogue is just a little bit sharper than everybody else's. Go figure. I wonder why that is. Because she has a reputation for rewriting everything she touches. Because yeah, she was great. And we all, god damn, we miss her. We are going to get her for a couple of scenes in this last Star Wars movie. But, man, that's sad. Huh? I, totally. I can't get over it. Anyway, she's great in this because she's great in everything. Mm-hmm. That's all I'll say about that. Mm-hmm. But here's my main question. We talked about what the movie is. Uh, is this, and we had a, we've had a discussion about this for years. Because you, well, we'll get on in a minute. Is this a kid's movie? It is a 90s kids movie. But but is it? Because that first scene seems to be tipping the scales to say, like, hey, there's kids in this. It's about imaginary friends, but it is not a kids movie. No, I think it's definitely a kids movie. But it's PG-13. Yeah, kids are also 13 years old. So it's for 13-year-olds? Is that what you're saying? I think it's for um, 13-year-olds and mature 9- to 12-year-olds. Okay. So... That's where I think <laughs> it's for those it's for those kids whose parents let them watch The Simpsons. Maybe, but okay, that's fine. If that's your if that's your argument uh-huh. for this movie being a kids movie, mm-hmm. but it's for a certain kind of kid who likes 
older humor or maybe cruder or more a- adult language. Yeah, kids. Okay. Then, Have so, you met kids? Right, but then the movie itself <laughs> is also filled with what I would think is skewing much younger type of slapstick, uh, bad effects of, like, getting bounced around all over the place. Have you met, like, a 12-year-old boy? I mean... Or girl? Yeah? I mean, I think that farts and poop and toilet jokes, those are timeless comedy. That's not what I'm talking about so much. It's like the cartoony, like, bouncing around, getting run over by a fire truck and, like, the shoes staying there. Like, kind of like what we were talking about in our last episode, Looney Tunes I would say that even as a kid, my memory of those specific cartoony actions was not laugh-out-loud humor. Right. The funniest parts to me were the potty mouth parts. But that's where I think, like, and this was, I'm just venturing a guess as why this movie was not well received by critics, or I'm guessing all adults, Mm -hmm. is that it does not seem to have a real core idea of what that target audience is. Okay, I will say, though, the scene where he gets his head smushed into the fridge oh, and he disgusting. pulls it out and it's like, it's like all wide it's and disgusting. flat and it's like, looks like it's made of clay. Yeah. That was pretty funny. It Really? It's, it's so funny? weird. It's so like, ew. Okay. So it's comical. The other thing that I think is important <laughs> to share in this episode of, of us is that one of us saw this as a kid. Oh, yeah. We forgot to do What Do You Remember? And the other one didn't. Uh-huh. <laughs> the person who loved it yeah. definitely saw it Do we want to do kid. What Do You Remember? Or are we, yes. we've too, too far past? No, we're not too far past. Okay. Um, I remember because I did actually see this. Okay. So What Do You Remember? I wrote, Phoebe Cates is a miserable adult, and then all of a sudden her childhood imaginary friend returns. Drop Dead Fred wreaks havoc on her life. Her mega beast mother continues to try to control her life even convinces her to get a haircut just like hers and tries to convince her to take some pills to make drop-dead Fred disappear. He tries to talk her out of it, but she takes one and he disappears and she's still miserable. Then she realizes that she's miserable because her husband is shitty and her mom sucks. She stands up to her mom and drop-dead Fred has served his purpose. The end. This is the most detail you've given for any movie that we've done. Because oh my God, because I love this movie. You know the movie so well. Even though I have not seen it, since I forced you to watch it 17 years Almost ago. Almost to the point where, like, even when, like, with something like Space Jam, I clearly saw a ton. I still chose not to, like, you, I mean, you were just laying out, you just wanted to prove no, to me I that, like, you I left out know. so many details, okay. I could have put in way more details, but. So we didn't need we to gave... watch this, is what you're saying? <laughs> no, we're going to watch it. Memorized, gonna... ingrained in your brain. I'll be getting it on DVD. We're going to watch it every year. Yeah, the reason we didn't get it on DVD, because it was always, like, Nine, ten, eleven, twelve dollars. Or was it because you never really liked it? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> what do you remember? I wrote, uh, some ma- uh, lady's imaginary friend from childhood comes back to be obnoxious, but to also tell her to regain her innocence or childhood or whatever. <laughs> I don't think I saw this until Angie forced me to watch it in college. I did not appreciate it. And so here is where <laughs> our divide is. Mm-hmm. You saw this. Yeah. Do you know when you saw it, age-wise? or pretty certain I saw it on VHS. Okay. In 1992, even though it came out in 1991. Okay. So when it came out on video. Um, which puts me at around, around nine years old, mm-hmm. puts my older sister at 14 years old, and she was pretty young for, like, the oldest kid. I'd say she's a little, like, immature a little bit. Sick burn. Oh, <laughs> if you don't listen to the podcast, Jill, then I get to burn you. Um, one of my memories, so clearly we had rented it more, like, once or twice. 
And then my Aunt Peggy was babysitting us. And I remember we were just in the car on the way to the video store. We were, like, talking about the movies we were going to get. And me, at the sweet age of nine, was, like, talking about Drop Dead Fred because that's what we were talking about. And so then I started swearing. I started saying the names of Drop Dead Fred's friends. And I used hell and shit at the age of nine, just blasting those out in the backseat. And Auntie Peggy goes... What is this movie? We are definitely not going to rent this. Because it's not a kid's movie. And my sister whipped her head around and was like, what the hell, Anne? She totally just ruined it for us. God, you ruined everything. We need to not just tell you anything. It's just like when you told Dad that we bought him a tie for Father's Day when you were in kindergarten. Oh. So... We didn't get a watch. I have it never then. seen your dad in a tie. Maybe at our, our wedding. <laughs> Do you wear a tie? He wears ties. Does he? He, yeah. I see him wearing a white shirt. He's retired now, so he ain't gonna wear ties. He's wearing a white shirt. Yeah, he wears like a white Hanes holy shirt because he's been wearing it for two weeks. Can't wait for two me to weeks, hear that. Twenty years. Um, he, he works hard though. I'm not um, saying anything about so that. So we definitely watched a lot. We didn't ever own it, but we rented enough where as we were going back and watching this, I remembered so many of the scenes that I could like say it with the characters. Yeah, you could. <laughs> like when he scoots under the mom's skirt and is looking up there and is like, cobwebs. The first of two times the character uh-huh. looks directly under then, a woman's skirt. And then the second time at the end, he looks under there and he goes, oh. No panties. No panties. Ooh. What are okay. we talking about? <laughs> so at the age of nine, I'm thinking, okay, I did not get the cobwebs joke, right? I didn't get that that meant like, that's an old pussy that hasn't gotten any action. Wow. Did not get that. But in my mind, I thought it was just like, there's like spider webs in like her legs and around her crotch. Like, that's funny. <laughs> Yeah, I can see that. Sure. That one, I can and see then, the innocence of. And then the no no panties was like, oh, she forgot to wear her underwear. Like his eyes go googly. Like, I didn't know like what that meant. Like kind of mm. thing. Eh. Oh, man. Um, so, we'll, we'll move on to other things. But <laughs> the the other thing I want to say about it being weird, weirdly not a kid's movie is that the thing that I, okay, I, I, I don't have an appreciation for this movie like yeah, because you you, that's okay. You're sad. You're that's just fine. a sad man. I just didn't man. see it as a as a kid, and so I found the character of Drop Dead Fred to be more abrasive and uh, like uh, cat screeching than I did funny. But that's because I didn't see connect it. with him when you were nine. I think so. Yeah, that's fine. We don't have to linger on that more than we have to. But the movie has a, a decent, I would say, pretty good message, and mm-hmm. where it ends up going with the Phoebe Cates character. And how she has to kind of fix her life in a way that is her doing, and the and I I I like that, and I I think that coupled with the flashback of her as a little girl when her mom cruelly like takes away like the Jack in the Box that like, houses uh, Drop Dead Fred and all that is not <laughs> it is a very different message, and I think it's a more uh, it's a stronger message for an adult or an older kid than it would be for a, for a child watching it. So I guess I'm just like, did they, did they try to make this movie like? Is it for adults? Because it, it you know the main character the main characters are all adults. There's only flashbacks of a kid. Uh, there's the swear words. I, that's where I'm. I still struggle to try to figure out like who the movie was originally made for. What were they going for? And rather than like what the intended result was, because to me that stuff toward the end is more. 
of like a dramatic, like something that, you know, it's quite kind of for an older audience to kind of I don't latch think onto. So. I don't think so. Okay. I think it's for a younger audience. I think that when we were growing up, it was just starting to happen that like a lot of parents were starting to get divorced openly. And I think there were a lot of kids dealing with like their dads leaving and their moms being shitty. And I think it yeah. kind of like sold the message like, hey, young girls, like you can stand up to your mom and you don't have to like take in all the shitty things that people tell you in your life. And when you grow up, you don't have to like latch on to some douchebag man like but doesn't that message seem like that's that all those the arc of the movie is about her learning those things as an adult her problems are adult problems they're not child problems so much and she I has know, to but get like, over kids those deal with adult problems because they have parents and kids are going to become adults yeah i just i loved it i think that i credit drop dead fred for many years of telling my mom to fuck off. Oh, great. I'm sure she was so happy that you saw this movie. Yeah. Then. I think it gave me the confidence to uh, stand up for myself and to not be, a, you know, attracted to shitty men who treat women like shit. I think the Drop Dead Fred planted those early seeds of, like, girl power and don't be this, like, weak woman who just gets trampled over. You gotta have fun. You gotta be yourself. You gotta stand up to, you know... All the great messages in Drop Dead Fred. And it Fred. has those messages. It's also, I mean, it's to be fair to note that Drop Dead Fred is a man and he's telling her what to do. But uh, that's okay. Um, he's not telling her. She gets to discover it herself. That's true. And that's where he I like. encourages her. I like where it goes toward the end, like I said. Um, and it's incidentally the time of the movie where the, the character is just not being so fucking loud <laughs> and screeching and flattening his face and doing lots of slapstick things that I don't I, I just can't connect to as like but you love Looney Tunes because I saw Looney Tunes when I was a kid I think that's the point like I don't think yeah. you can go to this movie as an adult and be like yeah no you there has to have been some kind of connection mm -hmm. at the age otherwise I just don't know but that's why I find it fascinating because I at the same time, I see that. I see that, like, I understand why you like it and why other people that have seen it like it. But at the same time, I'm just like, what parent is taking their kid to this thinking it's a kid's movie? Okay. Because it tips, I'll tell it you tips its hand right away. No parents took their kids to it in well, the Well, that's theater. what I mean. So they made a movie where their whole life, their whole game plan was like, we're going to trick kids into go, we're going to trick parents to take their kids and we'll make our money just by solely tricking families. Tricking and, and VHS rentals. Yeah, but I just, that's, it seems like a strange strategy, that's but all. But back in the day, you couldn't, like, pre-screen a movie. You couldn't, like... That's... Yeah. You didn't get to hear... Even when we rented it, it was just, like, the brief description on the back. We could trick our mom all the time to rent that movie for her. She had no idea. And then she didn't ever watch it with us. Yeah, it was... Because uh... <laughs> parents didn't do that in the 90s. We were yeah. 90s kids. They were working... Speaking of uh, 90s, that's a good transition to kind of want to ask you about this. Because when we started the movie, it starts off <laughs> very, very odd. I was saying that, like, there's a se the sequence where she's lost her job or and she's about to get her car taken. It is so aggressively shot in terms of just, like, the camera moving. Oh, yeah. It was like I compared it to <laughs> the opening scene of The Dark Knight, like the Joker's bank heist, the way, mm -hmm. like, it just needed, like, that music going, mm -hmm. and I'm like, what is happening? Is the Joker coming in? Is she? the Joker going to take her car? Because it was just, like, so, like, over-intense. The camera was, like, over the shoulder, like, close up, like, these weird shots. It was so, you were just, like, baffled. Like, I think you were worried, because mm -hmm. it's so, night, like, early 90s. Yes, when it started, I was like, ooh. They're like, oh, I don't think I can, it's like, I can't sit through this. I think it calms down. It does. But it's, I mean, that's just one ninety plus, I, I think all that slapstick stuff is just so of the times they thought like 
you're right. Like, kids will, like, like that's the thing, that's what I just don't understand. Like, they like that we have to put this in because kids like it, but then also we're going to say shit, and we're going to say shit a bunch. Because kids love to hear shit. They, okay, you know, I know they do, You know but... what this is? It's the 90s where adults were so out of touch with kids. And I look, other kid movies swear, like the, you know, the Christmas story, that swearing, a little swearing in it, the, the Sandlot, uh-huh. all those do, but this is just like... It's in a vile tone because the way that they're that's directed at a parent, uh-huh. it's directed like it's just it's filthy. It feels more derogatory because it's intended to be. Dropped Fred is a very like id character, right? Uh-huh. It's just there yes. to just be unleashed. Yes. So it's just it's way more in your face. That opening scene is like what a bunch of shit. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. My parents would be like, we're not watching this. <laughs> And that's it. what my auntie Peggy said. <laughs> yeah, she was so, like, "What? And that, fuck no." Who knows? Maybe it happened, and that's why I never saw it until you had me watch it later. Yeah. Um, it's time for tea time with Tyler. Okay. It's a little segment. I have, I've, I've worried about this. Do you have anything? Because it seems like I'm not gonna. Whatever you're gonna bring at me um, is not gonna be anything. I'm gonna. I'm gonna know. be honest with you. I, I have nothing in my head. Oh, right okay, now. good. Okay, yeah. so I, uh, <clears throat> trying to think here. If you're gonna act, ask about who that actor was. Anything else? I don't have anything for you. I think I've already mentioned all the things I know Phoebe Cates was in. So, uh huh. Name... Phoebe Cates was like, by the way, uh huh. She was like a sex stim- like Fast Times. She's like the red bikini girl in fast times like that's what year was fast times 80 something but it i mean she and plus i mean she just was this was maybe toward the she kind of stopped acting and she appears in things occasionally now but um yeah she was like a she was red hot for a while there though she's anyway. probably not like me too or something i don't know well, maybe yeah who knows who she's knows good. she's you know she's she's good in this movie i'm not even gonna i'm not even gonna deny that yeah she's good because the movie's good yeah okay <laughs> She's good though. She's she genuinely gives a good performance, and it's a tough one because it's just like she's acting against like a tornado. Okay, name some movies in the nineties. Okay, Tea Time with Tyler. Will I give you till the time I fill up my mug to answer and a me question? Too. And it's typically like a list question where you have to name as many as possible. Sometimes I do other things, but that's typically what I do. Okay. So your challenge for this Tea Time with Tyler: Would you like a spot of tea? Is oh you're checking your phone and you got something important going on? Something there? no, just something Every, popped. That's all. Everything okay? Yeah, just fine. Oh okay. Red Sox beat the Mariners. <laughs> um, I read that that's a good way of um asking people, letting people know that th- them being on their phone is bothering you. Oh, you've read that? Because uh-huh. that's my strategy for you when you're on your phone and you don't seem to give a shit when I tell you. I'm like, what you doing over there? She's like, shut nothing. Fuck no, you. No, it's not what you're doing. It's oh, is everything okay? Because it comes from a place of caring. Is everything okay? Yeah, is everything okay? Yeah. Well, not for the Mariners. They lost 7-6. Okay. to six. So, Tyler, I would like you to list as many movies as possible in the 90s. Okay. Or the, maybe even if you can remember. <laughs> Any, anything you can remember. That have a strong female character who stands up to a male character. <laughs> like in Drop Dead Fred. <laughs> um... Clueless. <laughs> Who does she stand up to? She stands up to everybody. Okay. <laughs> I like Clueless. The Breakfast Club. Hold on. <laughs> Try to name as many movies with lead female characters. In the 90s? <laughs> I mean, there's not that many. <laughs> there's a lot of... I mean, what's weird about... I'm, I'm going to deflect because I, I think your point is made. Is that a, That's a tough question because there's just not as many... But um, is my point made? I yeah. wasn't really trying to make a point. That's well, a good point. I mean, I, I, we're getting better at that. I think that that is an asset of this movie. Um, 
it's weird. For ninety one, we, it's weird that we because uh, I, I don't think the idea of a strong female character is a new idea at all. Necessarily, you're watching these old movies. It's not a necessarily a, an old idea, right? Mm-hmm. I think even like when we watch something like When Harry Met Sally, I think the Meg Ryan character in a lot of ways is very kind of like strong in, in her own way in the movie and Carrie Fisher's always playing someone oh, right because so she's I mean obviously probably fixing the parts that she's in right mm-hmm. but um, nevertheless it always seems to like even when they had those characters it never it was always surrounded by another male aspect right it wasn't well you didn't get a lot of it it was always a thing but it was never like trusted upon I guess to like anchor mm-hmm. movie the only thing that's really like ever defied it was kind of like the alien franchise with uh, Sigourney Weaver she was always surrounded by the the male characters but I think that that was always just so great that she could be like the hero of that that franchise even when the franchise kind of started to sputter but those first two I mean come on they were great I just pulled up an article and you nailed it with the clueless character right there. Yeah, well, that's my. Fa- I mean, if we're just gonna go off of like just favorites of, uh, I see. Ooh, you got. I looked over your shoulder and I saw uh, the lovely Kate Winslet. Yep, in the Titanic. Mm-hmm. Clueless. Oh yeah, Veda from My Girl. Well, we just yeah we did that. Episode. We did that episode. Yeah, she's good. Also, run ninety one or so. But yeah, no, I think your point is. Your point is right. And that's why I think this movie was for kids, especially girls. Maybe. I just, I'm I'm still struggling to wrap my head around, like, when they were making this, what they were thinking. (laughs) Like, how they thought it was going to, and I'm sure the people that were tasked with marketing it were like, what the what are we supposed to do with this? Yeah, I think I read something that was like, the distributor was like, nope. Oh, so yeah. So had to go to their well, next other one. And that's the thing. And so, yeah, that's the other question. Like, how do you, how do you, uh, wrestle with that? How do you kind of fix this in your brain? Because you know that this was not well received, not only from like the studio perspective, but then the critics just lashed out at it. I mean, does that ever bother you? Because I, I, we've talked about this. There's things that I've grown up with. And I'm just like, whatever. It's great. Even mm-hmm. though, but I don't know. Maybe not because, when I made you watch Three Ninjas, I think you know, and I think anybody who listens to us know that, like, the love of that movie is is hinged upon the fact that it's kind of awful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, but it, you know, in a fun way. So, you genuinely think this is a good movie. I do. So, how does that work for you? Because I know that, that you know, I mean, as we're going to learn in another segment coming up, that uh, people really, really hate it. Those people suck. Okay. Is that, um, is that how, I mean, I'm just, in general, like, how do you feel about that when, when you feel strongly about something when, like, maybe the, the critical consensus is, goes the other way? Um, I haven't talked to someone who was the same age as me at that time and watched it that didn't like it. That, so I think it was time and place. Validating. Yeah. Yeah, that's validating. Um, I'm looking at who the writer was, and the writer has only written, this is all she wrote. She wrote the story. She's credited with the story. Okay. And her name's Elizabeth, which is the same name as the character. So I'm curious if it's based on... She had, like, her own experience or whatever. Um, I want to know more, but we don't have time in our podcast. There's, like, other... You know, Tim Matheson is her husband. Uh, That's kind of weird, because he's... I mean, he's good at playing a dick. He's played a lot of dicks over Mm -hmm. the years, right? Um, I just... You know, Ron Eldert is in this thing. What a weird character this guy is, right? First of all, it's Ron Eldard who is in a lot of movies. He was married to like Hillary Swank for a while, and when she won the Oscar, he was like the one in the audience. Like nobody remembers. No, that that's why. I mean, nobody I just, remembers. He's that. in movies, but he's not that memorable all that much. So that's just like his most memorable moment, right? But I don't think they're even married anymore. But um, 
He's so weird because he kind of like is he looks like what like young Chris Evans looked like a little bit mm-hmm. just with like the hair and kind of the dreaminess and he's got like an earring and he's like really into uh Lizzie's like crazy behavior even yeah. though he has no idea what's going on that she's seeing like something so he's really into that but then like so he seems really progressive and and like city like but then he's driving like this old pickup truck yeah he's got a girl a little girl that at the end of the movie we find out uh once drop dead fred has moved on from lizzie mm-hmm. he has gone to help this other little girl and i think we're supposed to think like oh that's great and Lizzie's going to really like this. I think she should get away from this guy. Clearly, Drop Dead Fred only comes to distressed, traumatized families, children. yeah. Like, broken families. Well, clearly, he's getting divorced. So, clearly, his ex-wife is a mega beast. So, a mega beast, he's yeah. there to help her, maybe, with him. But anyway, it's a it's a strange, I would say, underwritten character. He's he's kind of an afterthought in the movie, mm-hmm. which is it's just kind of this guy that's around. You got us. so hung up when he, uh, the first time you see him getting into his vehicle... Which is that an truck old up. truck. I, well, I just said that, and like it's you so, got you kept bringing it up. Though. It just so it just baffled me because it just did not play like the character like you would think. Like, <laughs> oh, and here he's rolling in his old pickup truck. Like, he just, there's no like country folk kind of. It's just such a strange choice. It's like, is it was it like the lot? Like, couldn't get another car. It the was budget weird, was gone. Think, they just used the PA's truck or something. I think it threw you off because the first time we meet the character. She's just lost her job at the courthouse, and mm-hmm. so he's in the courthouse dressed up, like in a right, suit, maybe because he was showing up for court for his divorce proceedings. So I think you were introduced to him as like a businessman, and then you're like, here he is in this like rinky dinky, well, I'm, it, farmer look, truck. Look, and everybody, like, I'm not even saying like it's a hick car or anything like that. It's not. It, people need pickup trucks for various whoa, things. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Nobody <laughs> said hick. I did. I did. <laughs> Fuck it. I'll I'll own it. Um. No, but it's just like it's not a functional car if you're like working in the city. He's like an attorney or whatever. I'm just saying, it just seems like a weird choice. He wasn't an attorney. He what was there because he was getting divorced. Okay, <laughs> keep up with the plot of Drop Dead Fred Tyler. <laughs> God. Also, this movie has some of the just best quotes. It does. Want to run through some of them? No, I don't okay. have them all in front of me. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm yep. just saying. What do you mean? I thought you knew all those from by heart. You said. I mean, in the when car I'm watching it, Peggy. When I'm watching it. Okay. So we're going to do my other main question for you in a little segment we call Angela Explains It All. And let's see if I can get the song right today. Na, 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 na. Na, 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 na. <laughs> it's always going to be a struggle. I always get it confused. The I like the na, long na, na. pause. I was, you were well, to... I thought I had it, and then I got a little panicky again. <laughs> um, so in Angela Explains It All, I task Angela with explaining something or giving me some kind of detail uh, of a of a film related, but in this case, we're going to talk about something in Drop Dead Fred. Angela, what's the deal with Drop Dead Fred? Explain it. Is he is he imaginary? Is he there? Is uh, is he crazy, or is he really an actual thing? He's interacting with other. Explain it to me. Help me out. It's all of those things. Okay. Drop Dead Fred is all of those things, and you hit on it earlier. When you're saying Drop Dead Fred is like the embodiment of your id. Okay. Okay. So uh, I'm just I'm just flying off the handle here. Okay, good. Um, so when a child is in distress or really lonely, um, there's this magic that happens. Magic. Magic. Where their imagination magically creates a physical force that only they can see. 
but it's a physical force that is existing in the world. It exists in the world, but it's a part of them, so it's also them. So when someone, when Drop Dead Fred goes outside of her mom's house, steps in shit, Mm -hmm. comes in, steps all over her white carpet, Mm -hmm. are you to tell me that it is going to be the shoe size of a man, Mm -hmm. a British leprechaun man, or is it going to be the shoe size of a Lizzie uh, Phoebe Cates? It's going to be big shoes. So it is a physical manifestation, even though no one can see them yep. except for her. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And that's no, no. I got more. <laughs> I got more then because then later in the film we mm-hmm. go to the most famous psychologist that handles imaginary kids. I love it because it, it's positing that this. First of all, they just got like some extra to do the part of the doctor because oh, totally. he's not a, like he's got two lines of dialogue that are utterly unconvincing, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I thought was fun. But um, they have kids there. And then Drop Dead Fred has an inter- interaction with other me- other people, other imaginary friends. And they all are like, oh, it's the old crew. And they get together. Now, Liz cannot see any of them except for Drop Dead Fred. The other kids only see theirs, but they're interacting. So what's happening there? Well, it's kind of like the Easter Bunny and Santa Claus. They're magical characters that do exist. So they they exist outside of their yep. their kids. It's kind of like if like if you have a tooth fairy that's assigned your family when your family's done losing teeth, that tooth fairy moves on to another family. Or like when there's Christmas elves, when your family's done with the Christmas elf, that Christmas elf is going to move on to another family. But then how can it be a physical man like a manifestation of her id if she if this is another person that is existing outside well, of her? Well, she's assigned uh, an imaginary friend that matches what she needs and what she has ex- needs to express in her id. So she gets dropped at Fred. Well, or somebody else who needs something a little different based on what's in their, you know, issue and loneliness and trauma. What if I, someone matched up with them. What I found fascinating was how much Carrie Fisher commits to the bit. Because, I mean, either she... Either she thinks her friend is crazy or she believes her. I'm not really sure. I'm not convinced either way if, if she truly believes her or if she knows that she's just insane. But she she goes for the bit like, oh, Dread, Dead Fred's sitting in your chair at that meeting. And she goes in there and like acts like he's in the chair and like drags the chair out even though he's already moved, right? Mm-hmm. She like she goes to the point of like embarrassing herself to do mm-hmm. that. So she really goes for it. And then it also is a bit of information. And then she's very understanding even when uh, Drop Dead Fred – and Lizzie, like, sink her her houseboat, yep. which is like an old uh, steamboat, like, with the big yep. pedals. Very strange thing to be living uh, on in general. She She's angry, but not as angry as you'd think if you just lost all your uh, worldly possessions. But then that's okay, because it's just, like, written off as like, hey, the insurance company called. Turns out my boat was worth way more than I thought, so I'm rich. Which yeah. I think you, you know, obviously point out. That's not really how insurance works. I mean, I guess it depends on the insurance, because you can get replacement costs versus what there's different kinds. So if your value of your home ends up being more than what you insured, it, like, covers that. I don't know for sure, but it seems like a houseboat would be an expensive insurance uh, thing to pay for, because it's a boat. Things happen on boats. Mm-hmm. Things mm-hmm. happen... All the time on boats, it shouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. Also, I will mention there is a great uh, scene. Again, uh, my questioning of whether this is a kid's movie. Uh, her, Carrie Fisher's boyfriend, or lover, I guess, would be the operative word. Because it's like a boss, I guess, or whatever. I don't know. It's a very small What's part of the movie. What's the male term for mistress? A mister. Yeah, it's her mister. Know. Is that right? No, I don't think so. <laughs> it's the same. Mistress. 
Mr. Mistress. So it's her boss, and she gets to bang him once a month when his wife's out of town. As we learn after in that one scene. But he comes in, and he's like, uh, this is my favorite. He's like my favorite actor in the movie because he comes in and is just like, they're kind of talking about what happened with Drop Dead Fred. He's like, oh, do you ever have an imaginary friend? It's like, nope. But I got wet dreams. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I never had imaginary friends. Just wet dreams. Marv. Brought to you by Marv. What are we doing? Oh, yeah. His name is Marv. Even better. Marv's yeah. talking about wet dreams. And oh, my God. This is a kid movie. Oh, my God. There's so much good stuff in this movie. If you say so. But, okay. So we are going to do our, our, I guess, our last regular segment. Kind of, though. Because what would Roger say? But we don't have Roger Ebert's opinion on it. We have his colleague's opinion on it. Yeah, I didn't get the clip. <laughs> but I think that's adorable that you told me set, totally set me up for it. I was convinced that you had. Oh wait, we I, might, I, might, I might have it. I we watched have it. it. We watched it yesterday. I think I just got mad because Siskel Ebert's all like, oh, "It's one of the worst was movies Siskel of the Ebert? year." No, well. I, it should be noted that Roger Ebert had not seen it when Siskel, they recorded this episode. So Gene say. Siskel actually named it as one of the... Is it one of the, or is it his least favorite movie it's of the year? It's his least favorite movie of the year. Wow. Do you have the clip? No, I don't. Oh, okay. So fuck you. <laughs> I was just here, curious. Here, let me get it up in a nutshell for you. He thinks the movie sucks. And he thought, I think if I remember the clip, he was just like, it was pure, a lot of fart jokes and things like that. And he was... Clearly approaching it as an adult, not seeing it from the kid's perspective. And I think also, like, saying, like, you shouldn't take your kids to this. It's disgusting. So he's he's criticizing it on two fronts. You want me to play the clip when I publish this? I don't know. It's up to you, man. <laughs> How about we play more Drop Dead Fred clips instead? Maybe. So... I mean, I don't have much other than I, I, I'm, I'm trying to be not. I, I, I don't hate it. I just don't. It's not a movie that I, I connect with in any way, and I, I only see, um, a lot of just kind of an abrasive performance. We didn't even mention the actor's name. What's his name? Who's it? Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know how to say it. Okay, Rick Mile. Okay, Mayel? not, Mayel? not a big. I mean, this is one He's of his like more prominent, mm-hmm. prominent roles though here. Um. Yeah, I don't know. They, I think the they they tried to get Robin Williams. He said no. God, I don't know if that would have been better. I think that would have been just as bad. No, too, I think he's too perfect. Too over the top. You think he's perfect? Drop Dead Fred was perfect. I yeah. I just it's not a it's not an endearing performance. I, it just I find it to be too much, and it, it's really hard to watch. I I I hear you laughing at some of the things that he says because the, <laughs> the lines are because <laughs> the lines are so good. Vile for someone with a filthy mouth like you this but, is where it all came from i mean without drop dead fred i may yeah. not be the me that you love so much maybe i might be this like maybe prudish buttoned up yeah Could non-potty you, mouth but woman. what if what if you were like way more uh successful what if you're what if i'm you, super successful what would you have a four-year-old who said the f word to you <laughs> she did say the F word to you. What did she say? She said fuck. No, she said fucky fucks. <laughs> yeah. What did she say? She was just like uh You I... were being an asshole to her. <laughs> Let's set I was the, not. Bl- the ground here. No, I guess in her mind I was being yeah, not nice. You to were her. like yelling at her or something. I wasn't, no, she was just unhappy that I was denying her one of her many, 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 many. And then what months. did she say? She's just You're like, a fucky fuck? Yeah, you're a fucky fuck. <laughs> Which I don't listen. <laughs> I don't swear in front of her. To which, so I'm at work, you text me that. I'm pretty certain my immediate text after that was, well, 
Were you being a fucky fuck? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think the. I mean, we're still unclear about whether or not that's what she was trying to say. You know what? Drop Dead Fred really laid the foundation <laughs> for my parenting because I think it's important to like. I I don't know. She might yourself. not have been saying because I don't. That's not a phrase that I. She's heard from me. Well, fucky I, fuck now. I I, would, ha- I definitely in maybe like a really bad moment under my breath have called them fucking fucks. <laughs> <laughs> Under my breath. We're going to get our children taken away from us. (laughs) Those are words. Okay. Under your breath. So I'm not convinced, but it definitely came out as that. I don't Mm. know if she was trying to say something else. Oh, I love it. But I texted you, me. I was like, I'm pretty sure your daughter just called me a fucky fuck. That's great. She feels safe enough to express herself. (laughs) Um, She's standing up to you. She hasn't done it since. She hasn't said those words. I mean, not to your face. She usually just like points at me. With her angry eyes and goes, you, <laughs> look at she's um, mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> we did make the comment that, like, we cannot let her see this movie. No. <laughs> Especially, um, there's a, there's a couple scenes where, um, Drop Dead Fred cuts the little girl's hair while she's sleeping. Oh, God. So then she wakes up with, like, half her hair gone, and then he does it to her when she's an adult. Oh, Because she so magically scary. gets a hold of the scissors that she shouldn't be able to reach. But she gets them every now and again. She convinces her older sister to get them yeah. for her. She's like, I just need to cut one thing. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, she's just like running around with scissors. And you're just like, what are you doing with those scissors? Frankly, I'm just waiting for the day she cuts all her hair off. By I'm not way, even going to be mad. There's our connection happen. for the episode, too. Our main feature of our new release, Us, Giant, That's Super right. Sharp Scissors. This movie, Drop Dead Fred, has a scene that features giant super sharp scissors. So there you go. It was almost like we planned it. Totally. Well, on that note, I could uh, talk on and on and on about how wonderful Drop Dead Fred is, but you probably don't want to listen to that, so I'm going to be done. Well, there are a lot of people that are on your uh, on your side in in your world, and uh, you know, good for you. I don't, I don't. You can, you can. That's cool. You're fine. I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna rail on your on your train parade i feel like i need to have a drop dead fred party and someone needs to come in a purple dress that looks like a big purple bruise uh-huh. and someone needs to come in a striped uh sweatshirt that's raveling out and pretending to be a burglar get a and haircut someone needs to get come in with a blue uh suit dress suit i thought her first haircut that her mom tried to get her was okay like it was fine but then, like, it ended up getting shorter. What happened? What happened? I had her hair get... Oh, drop Drop did Fred cut her fucking hair. Yeah, Keep it, up, Tyler. And then, it, then it got maybe too short, but it was fine. I don't know. Liked that haircut. Pretty certain I had that haircut at that I time. Thought both, honestly, I thought both haircuts were fine. <laughs> you would. You would, Tyler. Yeah. Okay, any final thoughts? Nope. <laughs> You suck. I'm going to make you watch this so many times in the rest of our yeah, lives. you got to return that tape, so go ahead Who and return it. Who wants to come to my Drop Dead Fred party? The VHS machine is going back in the drawer. I think for my next birthday, I'm going to have a Drop Dead Fred you birthday party. You didn't hit me on the... I, I set you up for that VCR thing again. I know. I'm just to, ignoring you. Okay. Well, friends, thank you so much for listening. If you had an imaginary friend growing up, leave us a comment on this podcast because I'd love to hear about it. You know, we almost did this episode right around St. Patrick's Day, too, and he looks like a leprechaun the whole time. That's another connection. You can find our um, podcast and other articles and stuff on our our website at oldmillennialsremember.com or on your podcast app called Podcasts if you have iTunes or like Stitcher and other stuff on other phones. So... Come on, send us a note. I want to hear about your imaginary friends. Did and... you have an imaginary friend? No. I was very, very grounded. So dismissive, so dismissive of it. I I was the kid that was like, mm, I don't know about the Sienna thing. I don't know, but I'm going to keep 
playing along just mm-hmm. in case. I was very um, skeptical, which is why I think I liked this movie. Because it was like, oh, this is cute. And then maybe I could reach into that world a little bit. Because all my my soul had been crushed before then already. Well, a lot came out when I just got quiet and just let you kind of uh, run with your emotions there. You're such an asshole. <laughs> Did you have an imaginary friend? I don't think so. Obviously not. <laughs> Otherwise, you would appreciate this movie more. I... Th- that's what Lisa said. When I told her you didn't like it, she goes, well, obviously he didn't have an imaginary friend. I mean, I didn't have a lot of real friends, so I don't know. Maybe, I, I mean, <laughs> it could have been. You had imaginary friends. They were called Leonardo, yeah. Raphael, Donatello, and Michelangelo. But I was, con- see, I had action fig- I was controlling them, so I was more like a godlike figure in their world, so much as, like, me being friends with them. I wasn't friends with the Ninja Turtle. I was just controlling them. I think that kind of is like a model for how you approach your current friendships. You're like, I am the god of our friendships. Really? <laughs> no. Not at all. I was just First time I've heard that criticism before, but all right. Well, I mean, there's a reason you don't have any more friends. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I, I haven't thought I of it that way, but... Maybe I'm onto something. Maybe. It doesn't, it doesn't, sound, it doesn't seem like what I do, but I mean, maybe... <laughs> All right, guys, thanks for listening, and we will talk at you another movie. Bye. Bye.